This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Linda's firm conviction is that we all have the power to create an amazing life. Her work is for anyone who dreams of something better and wants a path to move to the next stage in life. Her book guides you step-by-step with a process, tools, and action plans to create your unique, extraordinary life. It inspires you with stories of those who have succeeded and enables you to tap into the wisdom and creativity of your subconscious. A vision is a bold, vivid picture in your mind, fueled by emotion and all your five senses. A compelling, positive, personal vision describes the deepest yearning of your heart and draws you toward that future. Valeria interviews Linda Hogan. She is the author of Envision Your Extraordinary Life, Living Happy, Joyous, and Free. Linda Hogan has more than 35 years' experience leading strategic learning and business performance improvement in Fortune 100 companies, and in coaching individuals to create and implement a compelling vision for success. She uses a proven process to achieve results for both individuals and organizations. Hogan has an MS in management and organizational development and is a certified performance technologist. She enjoys traveling around the world with her amazing husband, Bill, laughing with her daughters, Sarah and Anna, and friends, seeing live theater and running with her dog. Linda drinks fabulously strong coffee, sees Emmylou Harris in concert every chance she gets, and enjoys fine dining prepared by her chef husband, Bill, at their home in Virginia. She is grateful for her life exactly as it is right now. Her journey began as a social worker and corporate learning leader, where she developed a systematic approach to improving learning and performance. Over 30 years ago, she began leading monthly workshops for women using guided imagery and goal setting. Their hearts opened, they discovered dreams long buried, they set goals, they shared their feelings, and they held each other accountable. They were all amazed at the transformation in their lives. She had to write this stuff down. Linda researched goal-setting and guided imagery and designed a spiritual and systematic process built on the evidence. She drew from her experience leading learning in Fortune 100 companies, where she improved the performance of individuals, teams, and companies, helping employees find meaning in soul-satisfying work, and helping companies save millions of dollars. The process works. Meet Linda at envisionyourlife.coach. Here's the interview with Linda Hogan.
In your own words, who is Linda Hogan as of now? Thank you for asking. Linda Hogan is an author who recently published a book called Envision Your Extraordinary Life. And I work with people to help them to envision a life beyond their wildest dreams, to listen to that still small voice, to use guided imagery and visualization to become their ideal selves or what they think God's ideal is of them. Mm. Wow. Ah, that's such a beautiful vision in itself, <laughs> listening to you just now. So what would that be for you, Linda, this ideal dream or extraordinary life? What does it look like from your perspective? For me personally, my ideal life is... Um, Developing deeper and more meaningful relationships with my husband, uh, my two daughters, um, loving, laughing, uh, having fun, uh, developing deeper relationships with my friends. It's traveling all over the world and exploring new new peoples and cultures, foods and places. <laughs> it is running and being um, healthy, um, being um, joyful, being spiritual, connected to my higher power. Yes. Wow. It's a beautiful list <laughs> to go through, kind of checking every day, looking at it every day. With that in mind, we talked about this off record. How do we keep this beautiful vision for what we want to become or to be, but at the same time, stay present with what is present, stay here? Well, I tell myself, <laughs> this or something better. So the, the balance, I believe, is in keeping that vision in front of me with a vision board and with... Um, seeing it in my mind's eye, what I want to create, and then saying this or something better, because often my higher power has something even better than what I have dreamt of myself, and that the way things unfold always in the right time with the right people mm. in the right place. Mm. And so... Yeah believe that and do focus, uh, try to focus in, in the moment. Yes, right. I mean, it has been one of my practices to be in acceptance of what is happening. But this is, a, I guess, is very different from the perspective of somebody who is going through, let's say, domestic abuse or addiction or mental health issues. How can we be present to those kind of states of being, of life, of mind. So I love the idea of having mm -hmm. a vision, right? It's not, in a way, it's not rejecting what is happening. It's being open enough to let other possibilities in. I guess that's what I hear when I, when I, when I listen to you. Yes, it is letting other possibilities in. We're often limited by our 
current events and situations. So if someone is going through domestic abuse or um, addictions, uh, there's the accepting that this is true. This is what is really happening. And then seeing other possibilities, uh, more freeing possibilities. Uh, and we often can't change the things around us, um, right. but we can change ourselves and our attitudes. Mm. And with, yeah, with domestic abuse, uh, you know, I, I think the serenity prayer is, is a good one here. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Wow. And that kind of makes me reflect about life itself, like being just appearing in a way here. The very, let's say, open mind, but immature at the same time, and kind of taking everything in without questioning. But at some point, we ended up questioning what's happening. And that's when it changed everything. It has been my experience with emotional and physical abuse as a child, just not understanding what I was doing here. And I guess that's why I became very interested in spirituality, because to me, it had to have some sort of roots in the spiritual world because the mind, the logical mind could not explain this idea, how the, 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 actually the fact that children, innocent children are abused and even killed, animals and all that. I had to make sense of that. Um, uh, that's yeah. hard to make sense of, right. that sort of thing. Right. There, so there right. is no making sense of it. It's only looking at yourself and somehow grasping that you are lovable and loved and powerful in your own way, despite those things that happened, or maybe even because of them. Ah, yeah. So, gosh, I have contemplated at all, all of that, <laughs> all, those, all those spaces. <laughs> oh, my God, land I've been everywhere looking for healing and, and understanding knowledge, especially spiritual knowledge, but also social. I mean, I came across the idea of, of ancestor and collective trauma that we all yes. carry that and we pass it on. Right. Those, those kind of pains um, to others. So. Now it has become a lot more freeing. I love that word that you used in the sense of kind of being with whatever happened as a memory and not even not trying to reject what happened, just letting let it, it be there. And not as a reference either. Well, I guess I do. I have used it as a reference of not not wanting to be, act uh, or think from that perspective of causing other people's suffering without any understanding of, of fundamental truth, one of which is a big one for me, that everything is connected. We are not disconnected from one another. So how can you hurt others when you know that? So I guess that really informed pretty much half. Well, those are some deep wounds. And... Um Many of us in that kind of experience 
tend to resent it or be constantly trying to change the past. And uh, I've been told that you've reached some state of healing when you're no longer trying to change the past. Mm, yes, right. Yeah, yeah. That's that's has been one of the biggest, let's say, milestones for me. Forgiveness, acceptance. Yes, just letting it be. But we talked before about we had a conversation before in the first interview about your book, Envision Your Extraordinary Life: Living Happy, Joyous, and Free. And let me introduce yourself too. As it's the labels: Strategic Learning and Business Performance Improvement. In coach. So I guess the question for those who don't know you, how did you came to be or became the person that you are today? Or how did you uncover her? Mm, well, that's a big question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. Uh, well, I, I think that um, discovering my own um, addiction to alcohol Uh, My own alcoholism uh, was uh, a great starting place for me. I reached a point when I was 28 years old that I just hated myself. And uh, I'd been drinking every day for 10 years and uh, not always getting drunk. But the fact was I couldn't predict when I would get drunk. And if I got drunk, what would what I would do, (laughs) what would happen. And I started um, in recovery and I stopped drinking and worked on myself with the help of a lot of other people. And after a couple of years, I invited a group of women into my living room and we met once a month to create a vision of what we wanted to become. We set goals. We supported one another. Our hearts opened and our our dreams soared. And we um, had created lives that were beyond our wildest expectations. In witnessing the growth of the other women, uh, I I wondered, you know, how does guided imagery help them? Because what I'd been doing is, in each of these sessions, is leading them through um, a, a process where they close their eyes and I led them through a scenario of their future Or it could just be a scenario of they're at the beach and listening to the waves and and relaxing. And women who couldn't come up with uh, two dreams um, came up with amazing dreams. And I think I talked about Carolyn before and that she um, went from being a school administrator to remembering that she'd always wanted to be an interior designer. And she went on to um, to become an interior designer for 20 years and now has a bed and breakfast in upstate New York and um, has a remarkable life. So that 
process really helped me to grow. And um, at the same time, I was working in a corporation or in corporations. Uh, I was a, um, a consultant to businesses, helping them set goals. And so goal setting, guided imagery and visualization became really important to me. And I've learned so much by studying the research of what makes these work so that uh, I can use those tools and help my clients use those tools so that they can create um, the life that they want, uh, deeper, more loving relationships, uh, become powerful at, at work and um, become promoted, make, you know, make more money, um, just to have more abundance in all areas of life and to feel the confidence and the, the inner power to, um, to navigate the, the world uh, easily and lovingly and joyfully. Wow. Uh, it sounds wonderful to me, the process. And it feels like a lot of healing is being done throughout the process as well of visualization and guided imagery. This is a, actually a question for you in a way within the question that I will ask you now. Did you find out the cause of for drinking? That's, I guess, my main question about that. The cause for drinking. Uh, I believe that it's an addiction. Now, I started drinking when I was 13. And for women and children, the, the, uh, the disease takes place more rapidly. So the, the reaches up a point where you cannot go back. <laughs> they say you become pickled, and so you can't become uh -huh. <laughs> you yeah. can't become uh, a cute a, a pickle can't become a cute yeah, right. again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have heard that before. Uh -huh. And so mm. you know, a lot of the yeah. um, I had a lot of the disease um, symptoms. Uh, I guess you could say, as well as the physical addiction. And so some of the more emotional reasons, not feeling good enough, um, just being um, restless and irritable on, until I had a drink that would make me feel comfortable, not feeling comfortable in my own skin. Um, wow. That's a big one. I've noticed that with a, a lot of people. It has not been my case. Oh, who knows? Maybe it was a case even prior to the um, emotional and physical abuse that I went through. But I, yeah, I didn't go to alcohol, but I went to other things like fitness, getting too obsessed with being, not being thin, but being healthy. And they became an obsession. Then relationships. Yeah, which, of course, they were based on this not feeling loved. So I needed somebody mm. to validate that. And then mm -hmm. by giving myself too much to them in the expectation that they would love me enough or love me back. So that is a form of addiction, isn't it, Linda? 
Well, it, it could be. You were a world-class bodybuilder, weren't you? Yes, I did professional bodybuilding. But I guess it was a category of that. Fitness, they call it fitness, some sort of federation, WBFF. So it is fitness, close to bodybuilding, but not as... Okay, not as okay. So I felt like that was, that I was driven by some sort of uh, obsession of looking good and being healthy all the time so I would get the approval of others. It was always about that, which you, ah, you said that beautifully in your book. I just read about the ego. Oh, I love that message. It just made so much sense to me. Yeah, you said, oh, if I can find it now. Yes, you said in the book, yeah, under the story about women with vision, happy, joyous, and free, the beginning, Mm -hmm. you say, part of that said, while realizing our vision, we all experienced the four paradoxes of recovery. Our ego died so we could live. We let go to have power. We suffered to get well, and we surrendered to win. Mm-hmm. So that kind of resonated with me immediately. It, that's from a spiritual perspective. Yes, living for something outside of us. I have to go back to that phrase. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> Not anymore to me. So it's living for my inner world. What, what, is, what, what drives me from the inside out? That's what really kind of attracts me these days. Not just these days, but years for years now. So talk to me about this process of letting the ego die. Mm, well, <laughs> we say that the ego stands for edging God out. And so the ego is always there. And the ego does uh, great work in terms of making decisions uh, and um, perhaps some types of linear planning, but there's so much more to us. If we can access our higher power, if we can access our subconscious, then um, we are even more powerful our ego always wants to be the center stage. Yes, yes, <laughs> it's yes. all about us. <laughs> right, right. And, right. Uh, and so it's really letting go of that and uh, on a daily basis. Yeah, right, Linda. So yeah, th- it's a practice. This <laughs> isn't a one-time thing, at least not for me, uh, uh, to to be able to focus more on um, on God and on the higher level things. Uh, every day I ask my ego to step aside. Mm-hmm. It is good, yeah. So it, it's, a, it's a nice way. So <laughs> I, I actually see in my mind kind of um, just letting the ego um, move over. And letting God in, um, and um, that—that's how I approach it. Yes, I guess I have different language for that, but it's the same. It's the same idea. What is your understanding of God, Linda? I believe that God is love, and that I, 
uh, I, I read in a um, Richard Rohr uh, article the other day that um, someone someone said she is of the oh how did she put it of the 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 Christ um, movement I guess um, but doesn't consider herself a Christian um, because she's open to all faiths. Uh, I, I, I identify most with being Christian, but I also believe, you know, that all religions end up in the same place. Mm, yes. Just Hindu, uh, um, all, all religions, um, and that it, it's a it's a place of love. Yes, yeah, that really resonates true to me. Right in the end, it's what Jesus said about loving the other as you love yourself. Right, something like that. Right, that is one of the most powerful messages that we can hear. But how simple is that? It, it really sounds simple to me when we are in the heart. Because that's what the heart wants to do, only to love. Although I have heard some interesting things about the heart. My sister, she's a Christian, and she talked to me the other day about that the heart had dark secrets, so we need to be careful to following the desires of the heart. That's a message in the Bible. And then it kind of got me to hmm. stop and reflect that. <laughs> like, I'd never heard about I didn't know. I never that. heard that. Oh, I didn't? Okay. No, so I don't know why she came that. with that idea. <laughs> Yeah, about the desires of the heart. And that was not the first time I heard that, actually. Another friend of mine in Brazil, one of my best friends, she said the same thing. She's a Christian. So I'm wondering if they're interpreting the Bible differently, because that happens, <laughs> right? Very much. <laughs> yeah, I tend to interpret the Bible in a more mystical way um, and not in a liter literal um, way. So, yeah, the Buddhists pray to have an open heart. And to me, it means open with love. So, you know, maybe someplace in us, we, we have <laughs> negative ideas. And, um, it, but. Right, right. Where it comes from. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. Yes, right, right. Yeah, I feel the same way. The heart can do, cannot make mistakes. It can't. It's just, it only wants to love. That's my understanding. So it seems like you and I resonate. I, <laughs> right? Yes. Being, being yes. in love with life. So the main topic of our conversation, as I mentioned earlier, is the power of visualization and guided imagery. So let's get to it. I guess my first question, one that I mentioned off record as well, is the difference between guided imagery and meditation. That's the first one. And then talk to me about the powerful results that you have seen and the studies and everything. How does it work? And then after that, Linda, I know it's way too many things now. I would love to, uh, <laughs> for the demonstration of that, I guess that would be a, a good time to do that too. But yes, I, I guess I asked too many questions, three in one. Oh, your questions are very stimulating <laughs> and wonderful. So the difference between meditation and guided imagery. 
there are a lot of different definitions of meditation or a lot of different ways of approaching meditation. Uh, I learned meditation um, to, um, to, to have a, a sound that I, I repeated um, over and over and focusing on that. You know, someone else might focus on a candle uh, someone else might just have um, perhaps a, a, a prayer or contemplate love. Um, so I, I believe that it, it's designed to help stop the chatter in our minds and to go to a deeper spiritual place where um, where we can feel and experience a connection of oneness if we go deep enough in guided imagery it is more um, helping someone else to create a picture a scenario in, in their mind um, that involves all the senses. So it's, it's guided, <laughs> as it says. So you're not focusing on nothingness or a sound or a picture, however you're, you're going on a, a little bit of a journey, right. let's say. Yeah. And um, why, why don't we... Try the yes. practice now. Yes, that'll be fun. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> yes. um, this is for your listeners. Um, uh, if you're not driving. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good uh, advice. <laughs> you can do this. <laughs> yeah. um, so just this a little experiment. Um, close your eyes and put both arms out in front of you. And if you would... Imagine on your right hand that there is a big, heavy book. And now add a couple more heavy, hardcover books. Uh, add a couple more. <laughs> the arm's and, going down. <laughs> and now on your left hand, imagine that you have a string around your wrist and attached to that string is a bundle of helium balloons that are just going up to the ceiling or up to the sky. And now you can open your eyes and look at the placement of your hands. Are they even? Uh, no, the left <laughs> one's higher than the, the right one's much, much lower. Wow. Yes. It's heavy. It yeah. feels heavier too. Yes. And so what this demonstrates uh -huh. is, is what research has shown is that the mind doesn't know the difference between what you imagine and actually performing the task. In the sports world, um, this type of mental rehearsal or mental practice um, they they call this um, 
the term is functional equivalence, and it means that your mind doesn't know the difference between um, practicing and what's actually in your um, um, as, as just seeing it in your mind. So the research has shown um, after many, many, many years that this type of visualization or guided imagery, and so visualization is just seeing the picture in your mind now. So you could visualize the heavy books and the, um, the balloons without my talking you through it. That's just visualization. Um, and it's impactful in creating your own life, in sports performance, in a wellness, spiritual, mental health, leadership, and improving relationships in all those areas. And so in each of those areas, I could give you an example, yes, hopefully, and yes. I could um, yeah. give you some of the research. Yes, please, Linda. Are yes. you curious about any of those areas in particular? Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, I thought he would never ask that question. <laughs> yes, <laughs> of course, spirituality, spiritual caught my attention immediately. So I had to read that. So I made some notes here and also mental health. And another one that caught my attention was about your brother-in-law. Wow. That okay. caught my attention. So I would love to hear his story. My audience would appreciate that too. Okay, I'll, I'll tell that one. Yes, thank you. Okay. So this is in um, wellness. And um, imagery has been used in um, helping wellness since... The, the dawn of time, <laughs> okay. Um, more recently, though, in the 60s and 70s, um, but like Bernie's, um, Bernie Spiegel, no, I'm not saying his name right, um, has, have helped people become healthy. Um, my brother-in-law, um, found out that he had um, throat cancer. And my sister went with him to the doctor to see about having um, this lump removed. And the doctor said, um, this, you know, this can't be um, removed. It's like a cauliflower that's kind of attached to everything else. And so it would mean a, a, it's too big. Um, and my brother-in-law has a, a great, Lou, a great attitude. He, he did not um, um, flinch. <laughs> he, yes. he told everyone that the good news is I don't need surgery. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, the yeah. doctor's telling my sister, you better get your, you know, help him to get his affairs in order because this is stage four cancer and um, it does not look good at all. And um, he 
uh, decided on a regimen. Uh, he's a healthy guy in his 30s, decided on, on a, a really aggressive um, uh, approach uh, to chemotherapy and radiation. And the day before he was to go in for his first chemotherapy, his bowling buddy said, hey, you know, um, he had had some type of cancer and he just imagined that it was like um, Star Wars, you know, um, uh, where he, he could just um, flash the, the, the wand and um, zap the the um the cancer and so every time um lou went to the the doctors he would imagine that it was like star wars and he would um zap (laughs) all the cancer and he would see himself as very very healthy and um today you know after Nine months, he had no evidence of cancer. And he's, it's been some years, and he has um, stayed, stayed healthy. And so him seeing those light phasers shooting cancer cells and exploding them, you know, he says, you know, I, I, I knew what to do. And uh, if I ever get cancer again, uh, I'll just do the same thing. And the weapons are better today. (laughs) Yes, that's for sure. Oh, my God. What an amazing story. So it's not visualization. It's not only imagining, um, kind of visualizing. It's also doing something. Right, Linda? We needed to take action. Oh, that's a good point. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. This is um, um, seek seek medical treatment. (laughs) Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Really important case. Yeah. One one of the studies that was most interesting to me because it really had some um, very specific results was that there were 134 patients undergoing cardiac surgery, and they they gave them scripts um, to um, listen to of guided imagery and what they found. And they had a control group that was not doing anything. And what they found was that the guided imagery decreased the length of hospital stays by 1.5 days, decreased stress and anxiety by 41.3%, decreased pain, improved sleep, it reduced pharmacy costs, like the direct pain medication, saving um, $288 per patient, and reduced the cost of the hospital procedure from um, an average of $11,700 in the control group to $9,700 in the experimental group. And um, so they they were had been given these recordings, and um, um, it really helps. And and the hospital has incorporated that as part of their clinical care. Wow. Um, the, also during COVID, they found that it increases relaxation and boosts the patient's immune system against COVID nineteen. Um, the 
the guided imagery reduced pain, anxiety, heart rate, systolic blood pressure, and um, increased the oxygen saturation. Um, so it's it's a very good cost-effective complementary um, tool um, yes. to use intervention. Yes. And so yes. you asked about um, spiritual. Yes, right. Um, Intuition guided imagery. That sounded interesting. Yeah. To me. Um, often um, when I'm leading people through uh, guided imagery, and, and I have, um, I believe, 22 of these on my website and also a YouTube channel so people can go and listen. Um, we introduce a. Um, a um, a guide, a spirit guide, who um, might offer a gift of something that you've always longed for, and this process helps to bypass that part of the brain that is um, the the part that says, uh, "No, that's not possible. You can't do that." <laughs> The critical part. And so it opens us up to our subconscious and helps us feel, have this experience of uh, oneness. And so they, they did this. Um, they had uh, another study, a group of people who were asked about their spiritual experiences positive spiritual experiences and then they created a guided imagery um, for that and um, they also created a guided imagery um, that was um, meant to invoke uh, stress yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they studied the brain yes um, using I believe an MRI and what they found was that when they they were um, listening to the spiritual uh, guided imagery. They felt an experience of oneness, and the the parietal lobe part of the brain lit up. Um, and when a stress producing guided imagery was introduced. Um, that same part of the brain shut down. So there's this inverse um, relationship between stress and anxiety and spirituality. And, and so I, I think um, that's pretty powerful. Uh, in my book, I also give the example of um, Bill W., um, um, who is the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, he had this um, vivid spiritual experience. <laughs> and, and he imagined thousands and thousands of people um, getting sober and then helping other people get sober and and so this was a, a spiritual experience that he envisioned and so that's just another example yes oh my god linda it's so wonderful to see that 
the evidence for the interconnectedness of everything. We right? we often thinking about the physical reality being just you know the just physical matter, but much deeper than that. That the underlying reality that I call spiritual is always here, and inviting us right to experience something new, something different, something uh, I wouldn't say even better, but something that we have never tried before. It's almost like seeing because life is so abundant. Why just see one thing, one color, when we can see a full range of that color even and then move to other colors? Yes. (laughs) Right? That's what it sounds like. It's really, truly beautiful to see these different modalities. I'm always introduced to different kinds of ways of exploring healing and spirituality. And I do believe that, that it's guiding us to that same place, which you... They spoke earlier beautifully, love, so we can experience love. Mm-hmm. Yes, Isn't I agree. It? And then we can have deeper relationships. Yes. With right. others. And isn't right. that what people want? Yeah. Um, yes, 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 um, yeah. <laughs> many, sure. many people have this yeah. deep yearning of their soul for, for something, something beyond what they're experiencing today. And they can have that. Right. It always comes to me. I know it's uh, one thing at a time. It's interesting when you follow your own intuition, when you listen to that voice that you also spoke of earlier. Then it's always guiding me to see one part of the path at a time. And I remember having this, also this vision about being that being human, it's it's an adventure. It's the it's the is experiencing. That was kind of in contradiction with some spiritual teachings that I came across, which was really mm. about renouncing and not having any desires. So when I was trying to make sense oh. of that, so if I if I don't have desires, so how can I desire love or more love or deeper relationships or even knowing God? I have to have desire in order. But then I changed the word, I guess, to longing, the longing to return to the essence of what we are, not even who we are. Mm. So I guess it keeps changing and changing. Now it's more, my meditations, they are more, they take a form of visualization in a way, but it's, I wish they couldn't in in a sense. I'm I'm trying to be in touch with that, that, that sees what is here. So what watches, what illumines this reality? So that's my guiding question, or that's what guides me when I close my eyes to meditate. I want to I wanna be closer to that which sees, which gives this possibility for everything mm. to appear and be here, be experienced. Yes. I don't know if well, that's clear, and- but... <laughs> yes, it's clear. And, and God is always creating. Yes. Right, you yes. know, if we if we believe in the you know the Old Testament, God spoke the world into existence and created it, and the world is continually being created. And if we have God in us, and, mm. and then then God wants us to always be creating too and appreciating. Ah. Mm. Uh. 
Yeah. So in a way, we cannot separate the creator from creation. Is that how, that's the understanding? That's how I see it. Yeah, that's how I see it too, Linda. More and more, the more I try to see the creator, I come across creation. Yes. <laughs> like, okay, how do I, you can't, you can't separate God from its creation. No, and um, it's, it's always being created and, and yeah. so, are, so are we and more yes. is being revealed. Right. How amazing. How amazing, right? This experience called life. Yeah, what an adventure. It is <laughs> if, an if, adventure. Right? <laughs> if we can be open to it. Yeah. Fully open to it. It's incredible. I just like the good stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. And that's the danger too, right? Just being attached to all, all the, only the good stuff. But then there's, like today I got an email from one of my guests and she said that her brother was dying uh, unexpectedly. And from something that no one expected, he was young. Ah, that was like, um, I could feel her sadness, uh, her pain. And then the only thing I could say is, um, I wish you inner peace and unconditional love for life. Oh, that's beautiful. I couldn't say anything else. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was just like, I paused and I couldn't. Because that's in the end, it might be, that might be love too, right, Linda? Just being open to whatever happens the, exactly the way it happens. That is love. Yes. Isn't it? Yes. Oh, my God. So we're almost at the end. You know, time and I, we are not so good together. <laughs> so the idea of human time. So let's see. I almost lost track here. But I have the ending questions for you. But before that, Linda, would you like to add anything else? Oh, add or read a passage in your book. And I do have some passages here that caught my attention for the first time we talked. I want to mention them afterward. Oh, well, then do you have something you want me to read? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I don't have the book in front of me, but I can mention some of the the messages that really resonated. The one that I shared earlier, a love grows when we share it. You mentioned that in the book. I don't remember what page, but that stayed with me. And then you all said beautifully, your dreams are God's whispers to your soul. That also stayed. And you said, most of us have the inner voice that tells us to be practical and that our ideas are not possible. And that's something that most of us can relate to. So that kind of caught my attention in a sense of becoming aware of that voice that's limiting. So. Yes, and that love grows when we share. It relates to our experience of abundance. Also, so many of us feel that there's not enough to go around, um, that if someone else has something, then there's not enough for me. But if um, we share it, you know, that there is enough. There is Mm. enough to go around. Mm. There's more than enough. Yes, that's wonderful to come from the place, from that place of abundance, which is, is what God is, isn't it? That's what love is. So it kind of implies, I guess my, me wrestling the idea of desire is that the more I desire something, the more it indicates that I don't have it. It's almost like emphasizing, emphasizes scarcity. And that's, it, it was a contradiction to look for, but it's not at the same time, right, Linda? It is a paradox, I guess. Um, yes, it's important to focus on 
um, what we already have and what we and to be grateful for it and what we want rather than seeing lack. Mm, yes. Yes. So that person might say, yes, I don't have enough money to pay this bill, this doctor's bill, perhaps. Um, but I would encourage them not to focus on that, to focus instead on all the good that they have, on all the riches that they do have. I think the more you focus on something, the more you attract it to you. Oh, yes. That's the law of attraction, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. It is. Yes. <laughs> that makes sense, too. Another thing you said, which is within the what we are talking about, I believe, it, you say, when we allow ourselves to take a magical trip to the future where anything is possible, we find meaning. We find the why for our lives. That also yes. yeah, paused me for a while. Yeah. So when we look longer term and um, we think, feel that that meaning that then motivates us and inspires us to set higher and more meaningful goals. And when you set higher and more meaningful goals, then you're more likely to persevere despite the obstacles and roadblocks and what other people say, think, and do. And so it's very important for all leaders to have that vision or create that a shared vision with followers so that um, people feel engaged and um, want to contribute and are inspired and want to come to work and feel that they are moving towards something that is is meaningful and is good for them. Mm. Yes, that sounds wonderful. That's a beautiful message of leadership that you often don't hear. But I know some leaders, especially the ones that I speak of, that they, I think the title is conscious leadership or even spiritual leadership. Yes. They do think mm-hmm. that way. Yeah, that's the foundation, inspiration, working together toward a goal that can benefit everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful to hear from you too. So there are so many ways we can apply this practice. It's incredible in so many areas, as you mentioned before. In your book, of course, everything is outlined there. You have so many stories, researches, and you also have an assessment there. I saw it. And I mean, it's, it's a fun book to just... Well, thank you. And it's on, I reduced the price to $16. Oh, you um, did. Just okay. for this week. So our... Um, So if your listeners want to go buy it, uh, it's a good time. You can get it at Amazon. Uh, Wonderful. That's really wonderful to know. The only observation that I have to make here is that this episode will be published in in two to three weeks. Maybe that. I'll keep it at that price. Oh, you would? Okay, great. So I'll make that note on the podcast note as well. Thank you, Linda. Wonderful. So we... We're almost at the end. And before we say goodbye for today, I want to thank you again for this beautiful open heart of yours and this beautiful desire. You see, I've tried not to use that word, but I'll use it now. (laughs) This longing to connect with others deeply. And but first with yourself, you have done that beautiful work. So thank you so much for being you. Oh, thank you very much.
And before we say goodbye for today, Linda, where's the best place to find more information about you and your book? Envisionyourlife.coach. Yes, and I have that. Are you also on social media? Facebook, Instagram, YouTube? I am, yes. Okay, so that's wonderful yes. to know. YouTube is also Envision Your Life. The same title. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll have, life. I'll have the website on your podcast page. Okay. And, right. and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much Great. for your presence today. Thank you very much. Enjoy talking with you. The same here. Bye for now, Linda. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Linda Hogan and her work, please visit envisionyourlife.coach. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.